Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart Radio. This afternoon, I'd like to discuss with you the the importance of understanding uh, the supernatural, satanic betrayal of the person of Jesus. And I want you to understand that the devil's plan to destroy our salvation began in Genesis chapter 3 with the fall of man. At that point, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, God realized that the Adam had indeed sinned. Now, if you notice very carefully in Genesis 3, there is a situation with regard to the woman and what she would experience during childbirth. There was a judgment upon the, the serpent and his role uh, in this event. Now, I want you to note that the Bible uses uh, speaks of a serpent. It doesn't necessarily speak about a snake. It says it reads serpent. In the Hebrew, the word is nakash in Genesis 3, 1. And it means the shining one, the shining one. And so, and as we go through the story in Genesis 3, we realize that uh, the woman was, as Paul writes in Second Corinthians uh, 11, the woman was thoroughly deceived, thoroughly deceived by this Nakash, uh, who interrogated her. He used soft interrogation to overthrow her. Please understand this. This is most important. He did not use hard interrogation, but his, inter- his interrogation of her fell within the realm of her desire because the Nakash uh, means uh, also the sharp seeing one, that is the one who carefully observes. So after carefully observing the woman, he moves in uh, to destroy her by appealing to what he had uncovered as to her desires. And so you know the rest of the story. In Genesis 3, God holds the Adam accountable because he is the federal, that is, he is the federal head of the human race. And so he, uh, Paul calls him in in the book of Romans, the first Adam. And then there is the promise of the coming of the second Adam who would obey God. The first Adam did not obey God. He abrogated uh, his divinely given authority. The second Adam uh, that Paul speaks about in his letter to the Romans uh, is the person of Jesus himself. And so from Genesis to Malachi, from Matthew to Revelation, we read about God's plan of salvation. The 
Bible is about God's plan of salvation. It is about God's redemption. The Bible, the biblical records, are all about what God has done on behalf of mankind through the person of the second Adam, Jesus Christ. So when we get to the book of Jeremiah, who is an 8th century prophet, and when we, when we read Jeremiah, we understand something about uh, something else about the nature of man and about sin. Uh, Gerhard von Rad wrote of, of the book of Jeremiah, quote, his thoughts constantly revolve around the tremendous bondage in which man is the prisoner of his own opposition to God, unquote. Once again, Von Rod, quote, his thoughts, that is Jeremiah's thoughts, constantly revolve around the tremendous bondage in which man is the prisoner of his own opposition to God, unquote. And so here it is. In the book of Jeremiah, we uh, Jeremiah is the prophet of renewal and hope. Once again, he is an atheist century prophet. His name means the Lord exalts or the Lord establishes. The keynote of his ministry is conflict because he will stand for the word of God in a culture that has betrayed itself. He will speak into the sinfulness he will speak into the spiritual pathology of his nation. And he will bring the, uh, God's word to his people. In chapter 1, we read about his call to ministry. In chapter 2, uh, we read that Israel forsakes God. And then we read that uh, there's this verse that begins, God, that talks about God's legal discovery. And, or discovery, a legal term. God engages in discovery. God brings, uh, God looks at his own people. And so God is recording their actions against him. So Jeremiah addresses the evil. Jeremiah addresses uh, what happens to the people of God when they turn from Yahweh. And so he looks into, and in chapter 3, he opens to us the irrational thinking of the people of God. Sin destroys thinking. Sin destroys cognitive coherence and continuity. Sin fragments the soul, therefore the thinking is fragmented and irrational. And so Jeremiah talks about this. And what happened to the people of God in chapter 2. And so in spite of their irrationality, uh, God brings charges, legal charges against his people. The Hebrew word is rib, and we read this in Jeremiah 2.9. Therefore, I bring charges against you, declares the Lord. And so uh, 
God is supposed to deal with them legally because they broke his covenant. They broke their, their covenant obligation to God. And this covenant obligation was ratified uh, by the people of God get, uh, saying, yes, yes, we will obey God. But they broke their covenant relationship with God. And so now they're under judgment. So when we go to uh, Jeremiah 36, we read that uh, we read about King Jehoiakim. God sends His word to the king of Judah, uh, and through Jeremiah, the king was sitting in his winter house, and so. When the word was given to him, the king, uh, verse 22 of Jeremiah 36, it was in the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter apartment with the fire, per, uh, fire burning in the fire pot in front of him. Whenever Jehudi had read three or four columns of the scroll, the king cut them off with a, a scribe's knife and threw them into the fire pot until the entire scroll was burned in the fire. The king and all his attendants who heard all these words showed no fear, nor did they tear their clothes. Even though Elnathan, Deliah, and Gamaliah urged the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen. So the king burns the word of God, and God knew he was going to do this. And so in verse 28, God God says, take the scroll and write on it all the words which were on the first scroll, which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, burned up. Tell Jehoiakim, king of Judah, this is what the Lord says. You burned that scroll and said, why did you write on it that the king of Babylon would certainly come and destroy this land? And cut off both men and animals from it. Therefore, this is what the Lord says about Jehoiakim, king of Judah. He will have no one to sit on the throne of David. His body will be thrown out and exposed to the heat by day and frost by night. I will punish him and his children and his attendants for their wickedness. I will bring on them those and those living in Jerusalem and the people of Judah, every disaster I pronounce against them. So the Deuteronomistic terrors. Because they have not listened. Because they have not listened. So why is this important? Well, King Jehoiakim was uh, in the kingly uh, line of David. Notice, he will have no one to sit on the throne of David. The devil knew this. So the devil sought to destroy the line, the bloodline, the kingly line of David so that he would destroy the coming of the Messiah, that is the person of Jesus. It's very interesting that God cursed the line of Jehoiakim. God cursed this family line. And so what do we read in the New Testament? Well, in uh, the genealogy of Matthew, 
Jehoiakim is mentioned. And Joseph, who would be the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus, Joseph was in this family line. And the reason why Joseph, uh, and the reason why Jesus could not inherit the throne through Joseph because Joseph was the legal father, but not the biological father of Jesus. And so what did God the Holy Spirit do? Well, Joseph was in the kingly line. Uh, and also in the book of Luke, we read the genealogy of Mary. And so Jesus would inherit the throne of David through his mother, Mary. So through Heli, and then through Miriam, Jesus would inherit the throne, and he would be able to sit on the throne of his father, David. No one, no counsel can stand against the Lord. The enemy sought to destroy the, uh, the Jesus coming through the, the kingly line. The devil lost. Next, we read that in the upper room, the enemy entered into Judah and Judas and Judas went out to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver Jesus was most certainly taken to the cross because it was the will of God that he go to the, to the cross when he was crucified the Pharisees stood before the cross and in the Greek there's a word that indicates that they danced before the cross in the lightful glee they believed they had won. But on the third day, guess what? Jesus stood up out of the grave, ever to remain so, and let the church say, Hallelujah. Jesus died, Eris tense. Jesus buried, Eris tense. But Jesus rose again the third day, perfect tense. God cannot lose. The darkness did not conquer the person of our Savior. Good afternoon. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich. God bless you.